ISGAP. ISGAP is the Institute for the Study of Global Antisemitism and Policy. And we run a regular seminar series here at the law school, as well as at Fordham University in the Lincoln Center campus in New York, uh, McGill University, as well as Stanford of California. And we're actually starting a program on Monday at UCL beginning to expand uh, the focus of our work is to invite scholars to deal with uh, issues of anti-Semitism from an interdisciplinary perspective. And in the law school, as uh, the of the, the general themes of the, of the program here are legal issues, human rights, discrimination, and anti-Semitism. And just very briefly, next week we have also a lecture in one week from today. Uh, we have Professor Gordon from North Dakota. He's an expert on issues of incitement to genocide and international law. And he's uh, written many important articles, especially on the case of the Iranian revolutionary regime, international law, and incitement. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, we're deeply honored and grateful that uh, Joanne Rubenstein has come from far away to be with us today here at Harvard Law School. Um, I'm especially grateful not only uh, the fact that the Supreme Court judge will come here to our seminar series, but as it relates to issues of anti-Semitism, I know from people in the field in Israel that in a very humble way, in an unassuming way, that he's played a significant role in helping the Israeli government and, uh, and the intellectual community to really consider the issue of anti-Semitism as uh, relevant for the Israeli context. And today, in 2013, it's, it's obvious to many of us who follow the issues that this is very important. But not too long ago, many uh, Israeli intellectuals and policymakers perceived issues of anti-Semitism as being part of Galut, part of the exile, part of the problem of the shtetl Jews. And now we know it's really becoming, and it is a global, phenomenon and global problem. Judge Rubenstein was born in Israel and graduated from uh, Lada from Hebrew University, where he had a bachelor's degree in Hebrew and Arabic, uh, literature and grammar. He went on to law, where he attained a master's degree, he, 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 sorry, he got his law degree in 1969. In 74, he obtained a master's degree from Lada in contemporary jury. He served with the IDF from 1966 to 1970 and was a reservist and served as a judge in the military court in Judea and Samaria. In 1972, he was admitted to the bar after entering with the Office of the State of Attorney in Tel Aviv and with the Ministry of Defense. From 73 to 77, he worked as a legal counsel at the Ministry of Defense, and from 76 to 77, he was the deputy legal counsel to the Ministry of Defense and the legal counsel to the Rehabilitation Division of the Ministry of Defense. From 1977 to 1986, he worked with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs as an assistant to the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Deputy Director General, the legal counsel to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and the Minister Deputy Chief of Mission to Washington, D.C. He was part of the diplomatic service and participated in negotiations uh, with Egypt for the Camp David Accords in 1979 and helped to negotiate the peace treaties. He also was uh, participating in negotiations with Lebanon and in negotiations with strategic cooperation 
with the United States with the personal title of Ambassador. He went on from 1986 to 1994 and served as the government secretary with four different governments of Israel. As part of the position, he headed a legal team working with the United States government uh, concerning investigations to the Iran-Contra affair and headed negotiations, the negotiating team with a memorandum of understanding between the government of the United States and the government of Israel and strategic cooperation. He was a member of the negotiating team that prepared the Madrid conference and head of the Israeli delegation that negotiated the Jordanian-Palestinian uh, uh, delegation to Madrid in Washington and headed the Israeli delegation, excuse me, for negotiations on Israel, the Israeli-Jordanian peace treaty. He served as the first chairman of Israel's anti-drug authority and importantly with our work as the first chairman of the government forum to monitor issues of anti-Semitism. The list goes on and on. And, uh, I just want to say that somebody who has dedicated his life to public service and on such important key issues uh, and the law and, and to uh, political issues, it's great that you're here. I just wanted to say that he was a recipient of the Gabriel Peace Prize for his part in the peace treaty with Jordan. He was given honorary doctorate degrees at Yeshiva University of New York and the Jewish Theological Seminary as well, in New York as well as Bar Ilan University. He's an author of many books and articles. And thank you for being here. Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you, Dr. Small. Name is Small, but it's a big issue that you're going to tackle. And issue. Good luck on it. Uh, I was impressed by your email that has this quotation from Rabbi Prince said that the uh, on anti-Semitism that the most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful and the most tragic problem is silence. I'm glad to be here <coughs> tonight. I mean, uh, I say I'm glad there's a sorry about President Kennedy from here who went to visit the Alcatraz prison and was supposed to address the inmates and he didn't know how to open up his remarks so he said, I'm glad you're all here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right, I said, <laughs> Miriam, my wife and I were here at Harvard many years ago. I was a visiting scholar at the law school over 30 years ago. It's nice to be here again. I'd like to open up with a uh, not after all the, this uh, bio that uh, Dr. Small read, I'm not going to tell uh, you what I did or something of the kind. I want to, uh, to put in sort of a personal context, but an Israeli typical personal context, my interest in anti-Semitism. This is not going to be a legal talk. It's not going to be an illegal talk, but it's not going to be a legal talk. It's more on the, on the historical and the uh, general sociological approach to it in Israel than uh, when we started dealing with it in the 80s and now. My late father's family was shot into a mass grave in a little shtetl in Belarus back in August 
remember exactly 50 years thereafter, in August 1992, I accompanied late Prime Minister Rabin to a meeting with President Bush, the father at the time, and I remember in the plane back thinking about the very special feeling of representing, I was the cabinet secretary in Jerusalem, representing the Jewish state the day to the day, 50 years after my father's family was exterminated that way. In 1965, my late father wrote a will, a testament, a spiritual testament, not a uh, financial one. And inter alia, he said that he never talked to my brother. I only saw it years after he passed away. <clears throat> that he didn't talk about the Holocaust and his experiences. He, he survived, obviously, <clears throat> because my brother and myself were growing in a Jewish independent state, trying to build itself, trying to build our own futures, and he shouldn't make our life, that's how we perceive it, uh, miserable or more kind of said by, by uh, our young souls being, you know, uh, being, how should I put it, uh, burdened with, with, with these memories. My mother came to Israel at the age of 8, 1922 and graduated the American University of Beirut. But Interalia was shipped by the British Army in 1945 to, as a, a member of a medical delegation to fetch Jewish refugees from Europe whom the British didn't let enter Palestine early in the war and sent them to exile in Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. And they were there for four years or so before they let them in after the almost when the war was ending somewhere in early 45. So, and my wife's family was all sent from Warsaw to Treblinka. And we're talking now, a few days after the 70th anniversary of the Warsaw ghetto rebellion and the, the, the end of the ghetto. So this is all there, but when we grew up, Miriam and myself, anti-Semitism was not on our map. Because indeed, as my father said, we were living through a period of growth, major changes and major developments in our young country. I joined the public service. We, I should mention that we learned, I learned about the Holocaust not from my father, from the gatherings of his Städtel Landsmannschaft, the, 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 the people who remained, the, the, the survivors, but from the Eichmann trial. 
Eichmann trial took place when I was 14, 15, and I was listening to the radio. There was no television Israel at the time, and this was our introduction. School curriculum did not include the Holocaust in those days. Neither my elementary school nor my high school. But the Eichmann trial was the uh, introduction. Took me years to understand what we're talking about in this respect, and it has become part of my DNA, as probably many people here too. And indeed, Israel developed into this society that we have problems of this and that kind, but basically, technology, Torah. <coughs> democracy, freedom of speech, freedom of press, a judiciary which I'm proud to be part of, Nobel Prizes to people, also complexity, Jews, Arabs, religious, non-religious, old-timers, newcomers, started in 48 with 650,000 Jews, now Thank God, of six million Jews, very special number, out of uh, about eight million or so. The, uh, it's a country that you're proud to be in, that's my feeling. I was just chairing the National Elections Committee, the last elections, and it was a celebration of democracy. With all the shortcomings, with all the problems, and so on. Sometimes they accuse us of being a racist country. I think that it's a shame when this accusation comes up. What racist country would uh, absorb willingly, bring with problems, with difficulty? 100,000 or so Jewish people from Ethiopia. No, no question about it. Anti-Semitism is the oldest social disease. Starts in the Bible. You read the book of Esther. Haman says to the king, there's a nation that is dispersed among the nations and they are different and so on. So what's the solution? To exterminate them. There is a sad story in a midrash, in a uh, text of the probably fourth century or so, that Emperor Adrian, the one who quashed the uh, mutiny uh, in uh, 133, the Copa Mutina, sitting, that's what the, and it's based on a verse in the Book of Lamentations which says, Raita Hashem Avatati Shoftamishpati, the Almighty, you saw the distortion you did to me, please judge me rightly. This emperor is sitting with his ministers and a Jew goes by and says hello to the emperor, and the emperor says, a Jew is 
saying hello to me? Go kill him. Another Jew goes by, he sees what happened to the first. He says, he does not say hello to him. So he says, the Jew does not say hello to me. Go kill him. So his ministers tell him, we don't understand what you're doing. And he says, do I need your advice to kill my enemy? So it's a very old, this is, there was a rabbi by the name of Menachem Zemba, who was a prominent halachic uh, authority in Warsaw, and he perished in, the, uh, in 1943 throughout the uh, rebellion in Passover. He has a short article on anti-Semitism written about 1936, I believe, in which he says there's no explanation to this because he, he comes from a, 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 some sages saying, which I won't go into, but he says some places they say the Jews are bad because they're capitalists, some say because they're socialists, some say because they're backward, some say because they're too progressive. So there's no real explanation. And a lot of people wrote about, about, uh, about the, the rationale, if you can call it that way, but there's no. I was an assistant in my, during my army service and later also in academia to the late, the late uh, General and Professor Shafat Al-Kabi, who was the person who described first Arab anti-Semitism, how it developed throughout the years of the state of Israel, the, the notion which we now see in different shapes and forms with extreme Islamic uh, preaching. Uh, he described it, I worked with him, I read his, his, his analysis at the time. I also wrote a short article myself, uh, academic, on the first appearance of the protocols of the elders of Zion in the Arab world, also during uh, 1970. But again, it was part of learning, but not part of, of, of a feeling of, of any urgency. In 1975, the Zionist is racism Resolution was accepted in the in the UN, and President Herzog told the resolution on, on the podium. At the time, we looked at it as a, one of those UN operations which we have to to to, to fight. The, the UN has had lots of, of General Assembly decisions against Israel, much more than what's any country. And uh, the, uh, uh, this resolution, by the way, was uh, abolished in 1992. I was at the time uh, in the negotiations with my Jordanian Palestinian colleagues. And I remember sitting with them when somebody came and told me this happened. And I told them, and they never said both Mabruk, which means Mazatu. Uh, In 1997, I served as cabinet secretary. I did it for quite a number of years. And I was reading materials from various sources. And it dawned on me that 
This is something which Israel should monitor in a, an appropriate way. And I wrote a memo <coughs> to Prime Minister Shamir saying, I'm quoting, I'm translating, whoever believed that the victory on Nazism uh, did away with anti-Semitism and wanted to believe that the, in the penultimate decade of the 20th century, there is no place for such dark beliefs which are against any factual or logical background, was disappointed. My feeling is, that's what I wrote, that matters will be worse, unfortunately, in the next coming years. So I suggested to Mr. Shamil to establish a forum monitoring anti-Semitic phenomenon, and we did it with Israeli relevant agencies and with the uh, with Jewish organizations that were uh, monitoring it anyhow, and also with non-Jews in a few countries. And we did that for a number of years. It was continued after I finished in '94. We submitted reports to the government every year, oral and written reports. And uh, I remember when I started, when we started, a major figure in Israel was had major positions in the country approached me and said that Eli, that's what he know each other very well, said, so, I mean, a government must deal with the present and the future. And they said it is a matter of the past. So why deal with it? And I remember when we submitted the first report to the government, I think it was 88, uh, a major newspaper in Israel had a headline. That's all the government has in mind. I mean, what kind of, of issue is that? It's, it's a it's a bygone. And they, I'm, I'm mentioning all of that because this indeed uh, uh, was the attitude, and uh, maybe because really it's not a very nice subject. It's a subject which it, you don't feel good in dealing with it. Uh, to, and, and, and as Dr. Small mentioned, some people would say, okay, so this is the exile or whatever. So the, the, the couple of years after that, uh, Professor Isai Gutman was a also ghetto survivor, uh, wrote in, in the Encyclopedia of the Holocaust, uh, this is 1990, I believe. Uh, it's difficult to know or to, uh, to forecast whether anti-Semitism is, uh, despite everything, in a process of uh, of uh, going down, or it is having a winter uh, sleep and uh, changes in the world may revive it as a strong issue. It's clear that anti-Semitism needs awareness and activism, 
not only not to let it get out of the bottle, but to uproot a cancerous disease from the body of humanity. I don't think that it can be uprooted, but in my view, it does need awareness, activity. In our reports at the time, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, we related to the loss of shame that was connected with anti-Semitism after the Holocaust. And new generations come, and they don't know, and they don't care. And then, on the far right and far left, and extremist Islam, that's what we wrote at the time. And we were looking at developments after the, 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 the collapse of the Soviet Empire. And uh, we saw things that we see now to the situation of Jewish cemetery, synagogues of Jewish statues or statues commemorating the Holocaust. We remembered what Max Nordau said that Max Nordau, those who don't remember, was one of Herzl's partners in the early Congress, Zionist Congress that Jews are not hated because of their bad virtues, but they relate to them bad virtues because they are hated. But we did not panic. We decided that we should cooperate with non-Jews, not only victims of, of anti-Semitism, but those who are members of the general society. For instance, I remember vividly working with Per Elmark, who was a Swedish former deputy prime minister. We started also talking diplomatically to countries where those events happened and they accepted the Israeli involvement. They didn't see it as a problem. They see it even, some of them even consulted with us. Hungary at the time, Hungary again has a problem, but uh, consulted, I remember, with us. We used to talk a lot, I personally, to the Egyptian ambassador because there was a lot of cartoons in there, and Egypt had a treaty of peace with us, which I was proud to participate in. I think is very important to this very day. But their prime minister now, their new president now, has a background of this kind. You could learn, and we did it in the practical way, so to speak, that anti-Semitism is like, in a way, a skin disease, or whatever you call it, it but it, it, it can get rid of it. It changes its shapes, it changes its forms, but it's, it's there. And, but nevertheless, and of course then, popped up the, the identification of anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism, oh, I'm not anti-Semitic, 
just anti-Zionist. I think Nathan Shiransky years later had a good formula to check whether you were criticizing Israel, which is perfectly legitimate. Criticizing everybody else is perfectly legitimate. But when you do it in a certain way, that would be anti-Semitic. That is, if you do it in a double standard notion, like the UN resolutions, which uh, the professor in New York and by comes up all the time with materials on that, the uh, double standard is, 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 a, is a way to look at it. Delegitimization is a way to look at it. Demonization is a way to look at it. The three Ds, double standard, delegitimization, that's my subroute. And the demonization, those three Ds are good standards to, or, or, or measures to look at, at, at criticism, whether it is really uh, a, a political, legitimate uh, criticism or something which is basically a new guise of anti-Semitism. And we thought at the time that there are three major avenues to fight, fight even not hoping to erase, but fight, to limit, and that's my pitch today, also limit at the illegitimate, at the gutter, limit as a shameful method that should not be accepted in a civilized society. And we thought about diplomacy, public diplomacy, and also private, regular, classic diplomacy. We, we spoke about education for the wider, or for the longer uh, range. And we spoke about legal matters also, legislation and enforcement. Now, what happened since then? I, I, I'm jumping to our times, 20 plus years worldwide. Basically, the same, more of the same, and more and more of the same. And the question is how and what indeed. I should mention that the internet did not exist in those days. Now it exists and it's a major uh, means for spreading whatever you want to spread, including anti-Semitism. And while in the, and also something very meaningful, sadly meaningful, in the, when we started, there was no country on earth which called for the extermination of the state of Israel. There were the Arab-Israeli uh, Arab conflict and uh, there, there were all kinds of influences, but the, what Iran, Ahmadinejad, has been preaching for years now uh, in, 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 in a public way, uh, was did not at least the same level of, of official government calls for, for an extermination did not exist yet. 
denial of the Holocaust, which he wished also, uh, did, as far as I remember, did exist already there. And that, by the way, uh, an area in which there's legislation in many countries and uh, also enforced. While in the inner circle, Israel continues to build itself to, 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 to absorb uh, Jews and so on, and to, to, to deal with all its, 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 its uh, problems, and to flourish. In the outer circle, you can see, and by the way, changes sociologically in Israel have taken place in this particular uh, context. Holocaust studies are now part of the curriculum of schools, elementary school, high schools. Kids in the, I think 11th grade go to Poland, many of them, to see, to visit. My daughters, we have four daughters, all of them went with the schools to Poland to visit the, the, the it's, it's a combined visit of Jewish history in Poland, and of course the Holocaust is a major thing. The next week will mark the Memorial Day for the Holocaust. The, it's connected with the, with the, with the date of the also uh, ghetto uprising. It has become a marked day in Israel. It, it, the people relate to the Holocaust. Television, uh, the old uh, channels are full of, of uh, uh, interviews with the with the with survivors of stories of families. You know, uh, now the museum culture and the, the television culture and so on. And I think it's positive, has moved from the generation six million Jews, but now you, you, you see the Goldberg family or the Russo family from Salonika or, or the, 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 the person. It's, he's, not, he's not six million, he is somebody who lost his, his parents or his, and the survivors are still, are still there. I every year go this year I won't be there, but to the, the central uh, ceremony in Yad Vashem, where people light six torches to commemorate six million. Always go and check the hands of the survivors who who were there, and uh, their stories are told, and they are all of course octogenarians now. Uh, the people, almost all of them, and. Uh, it has a mark on our national psyche. I don't want to talk about the question, when do you use the memory of the Holocaust in, in, the, in, in a general political context? That's not me, not, I don't want to go into that. But it's a part of our psyche, of our DNA, this memory. I think it's now in a, in a very general uh, way in Israel. I think most Israelis here, will, or all of them will agree with that. And Miriam had a relative who passed away some years ago and had an outfit number here. And I remember when we visited him in the hospital when he was dying, his hand was like that. And I, I told Miriam, I said, another witness is going away because people deny that. 
Now, and of course, the, the UN has contributed in, in, to a great extent to the, uh, this delegitimization and this uh, uh, double standard. You remember the Durban conference? A terrible uh, show about 11 years ago, whatever it was. Whatever the intentions were, even the Gladstone report, I don't compare, but it was a bad document. The, the chairman went back on it. To the idea that is being pushed that we deal with the Palestinians the way the Nazis deal with us, because whatever we deal with the Palestinians, the problems are subject to any legitimate criticism, this or that kind. But to compare it to the I remember I was the Attorney General of the country for quite a number of years. I remember uh, one day a pre-scheduled meeting with, with uh, officers, uh, generals, uh, on something connected with Gaza at the time. And they told me, you know, yesterday we had all the Hamas leadership in Gaza in one building and we could do away with them. And we did not because the building was a, they used one floor and the building was uh, civil, civilian families were there throughout the building, so we didn't do it. Again, we make mistakes, but nothing to compare. You know, I, I, in the, in, I think it was 2009, there was this. Uh, uh, operation in Gaza, and I was already on the court and from 2004, and I sat on all the petitions, you know, our court, the Supreme Court of Israel, takes petitions right away from, without going through the echelon of courts, uh, as a court of original jurisdiction. And I sat in all the, uh, the petitions that came throughout that uh, uh, operation. Castled, I think it was called, it's a, it's a, and I and in all there were on supplies of of, of, of uh, fuel on, on medical matters on even on freedom of press on on all kinds of supplies humane problems whatever we dealt with all of them online almost that is the petition was submitted today tomorrow the next day. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it, and we solved it together with the army people to make sure that uh, the, the problems would, would be taken care of. So, it's something which always uh, makes you feel very bad when, when you read those uh, Comparisons, because there's a virtual uh, world that is proliferation of what you read there. If you want to read, just today, one of Israeli sites reported on on, on, on news sites on, on a uh, series of of, of, of anti-Semitic. 
occurrences in all kinds of you know, Jews being blood suckers, hormones, whatever. These are, by the way, also quotations from the current president of Egypt a few years ago. Uh, and uh, he had to answer to that some time ago. The United States also, I'm not sure about his response. So while we still have, and, and of course you cannot be happy from what you read in Arab uh, countries, including those who made peace with us, as I mentioned. And there is more, and also in, not only in Arab countries, mainly in the way from extreme Islamist group, but Europe, we don't have the time, but in Greece, in Hungary, in, uh, in uh, Ukraine, in Kyrgyzstan, why Kyrgyzstan? Okay. I'm, I'm speaking from reports that uh, our government has, has come up with, and having uh, uh, read them, was, sometimes it's countries that either do not have Jews or the, uh, never had Jews or had Jews, and they're not there. How many Jews are there in, in, in Greece to have a party uh, pushing for? I, I, I should mention that there are also groups in these countries, the governments many times, uh, these and other countries, international groups who do work to fight it. I shouldn't be just mentioning that this occurs. It would be unfair. But still, the existence of a strong party of this kind in Hungary. There's more monitoring than there used to be. Our government has now a foreign ministry, a special division that monitors anti-Semitism. It didn't exist before. Wasn't the attitude of the ministry at the time? I retired, respected ambassador walked with me at the time, but it was not institutionalized the way it's now. Other Israeli agencies, they were here. When I mentioned Hungary, by the way, that party had 15% of the popular vote. You had Toulouse tragedy some time ago. Three kids and teacher, father of two of them was killed by Islamic extremists. To lose friends, because the government there had its very important reaction. Sharansky believed, by the way, that there was no government where anti-Semitism was a major issue that came out good for me. I don't know, but if it's true, it's, it's good. There's also a proliferation, time and again, of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, a forgery from the 19th century. French forgery found its, its way to the uh, Russian 
the secret police of the, of the late 19th century later became as if really the Jews sit there and, 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 and rule the world and it repeats itself this way or the other, the media, the banking, the, the what have you. What sh should be done? First of all, should continue in Israel, now I speak from Israel, to build the country, to hope that more people come to live in Israel, more Jewish people come to live in Israel. But no ostrich approach. We should strive and we are legitimately qualified for that to leave it in the gutter, to leave it illegitimate, to leave it shameful. And like Dr. Smol and his organization, like other Jewish organizations, like people who are even here, as Dershowitz, others, fight in every legitimate means. I said, and I believe it's a disease that it's difficult to erase. If you look at it as a skin disease or a mental disease, whatever, you, you, I don't know if you can cure it, you can try to manage it or to fight it and there are enough fair people, you have to be fair, who would join this fight and again the, the, the means are political, diplomatic, media, legal and educational. The message is don't sleep, see it, look at it, never disregard it. Combine efforts with organizations that are understanding, churches are important. The state of Israel, thank God, flourishes despite anti-Semitism, and it's not part of our daily, daily uh, discourse, daily discussions. But many people are aware, and we should continue to give a hand to those who fight, to fight ourselves. There's something called the Global Forum to Fight Anti-Semitism, which the, our government has been promoting and will convene against soon. I think it's a good idea. As Henry Kissinger once said, even some paranoids have enemies. We don't have to uh, be paranoid, we don't have to panic, but we ought to make sure that, as I said before, stays illegitimate and all of you, whether you're Jewish or you're not Jewish, whether you and the fact that you came here tonight means that you're interested and uh, when it comes as to, to face a strong response 
not to think, oh, the wave will go and we'll be okay. Some people thought about it that way 80 years ago, and 75 years ago maybe, and look what happened. So, and I'd like to finish in a, an optimistic way. We are, as an Israeli, we are uh, a few days before the remembrance day of the Holocaust, but also a week later is a memorial day of our victims of Israeli wars and terrorism and our day of independence. And for me, being the son of the Holocaust survivor, being the grandson of victims, to be able to stand here as a justice of the Supreme Court in Israel, of a democracy, of a flourishing country, as I said, with all the problems which it faces and with the criticism that it sometimes deserves. I'm proud that I can stand here. And I don't like the word revenge, but many a time when I asked my friends to address a circumcision of a grandson who has, and I see four generations of Jewish people in the, in the room, and I say, this is the revenge against Hitler. The fact that there are four generations here because we wouldn't have those generations come up when I was growing up, me and myself. Most of my friends did not have grandparents. I had a grandmother on my mother's side. Everybody came to see what a grandmother looks like. It's a true story. So now they can see what a grandmother looks like. They can see my wife, she has nine grandchildren, take that. So they can see what the grandmother looks like. Even if Thank you very much. Get some water for him.
you know, Eichmann, he wrote a kind of a memoir in the uh, period before, after the trial and before he was executed, and it was kept in the government archives, and the policy was for many years to leave it there and not to open it to the public. And I consulted with him, and the hair lawyers, the lawyers, consulted with me and asked me whether I could uh, release it, and we could release it. So that, and I uh, consulted with a number of, of, of experts, the Bauer, Justice Landau, Justice Buck, people who were involved in the Eichmann trial, and finally I made a decision to release it. it. And then it was open to the public in general. I, I think it was the right decision, and it was done to make people face the fact, face the truth. And, and, and this was a, 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 so, I think what I said before is also the answer to Over the world, there are unjust countries that where people are suffering. And there is an identifiable group, the Jews. Can't we expect that they will continue to blame their troubles on the Jews and continue to divert attention from their suffering people to the Jews? And that's going to happen forever. Why should it never happen? Why should it stop? I didn't say it, it will stop. I, I said specifically that, and very explicitly that, I don't think when we began that we would try to, 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 to do away with it generally, but uh, uh, there's a major difference between uh, 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 not being able to erase it forever when you have all 2,000 years of, of uh, more to go to the Bible, uh, 2,500, I don't know how many years to count, and, uh, uh, and there's a difference between not being able to erase it uh, totally, then uh, not uh, doing what you can do to delegitimize it, to leave it in the gutter, in the shame. I don't think there's a, 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 a contradiction between the two. Do you think it's part of Western culture? Well, I, I, I don't see myself as a historian. It's part of, definitely, church history, uh, but, but was used by communism, which was anti-church, so it's there, okay? Uh, Putin, I think, said it's a social disease. It does exist in Russia, and, and uh, uh, it does exist. So I will not be the, the, the historian or the sociologist to, to, to analyze exactly everybody. It's like the Haugi, as they say. I don't want to compare, but uh, 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 Justice Potter uh, Stewart here in this country once uh, was uh, dealing with the case of pornography. And he said, I cannot define pornography. But uh, when I see, I know. Remember that it's not exactly the same, but there's something to get. Um, is it a fair criticism of Israel to say that they so much wanted this to be a conflict, with the conflict with the Palestinians, they so much wanted it to be about a border and not about uh, Islam, not about the concept of, uh, for example, legally in Islam, uh, a Jew who is conquered as a demi and a Christian who was conquered as a Dili, and he may not have legally right ever to have self-rule. Now that we see the Arab Spring bursting through, this Islamism bursting, bursting through what looks like a pretty brittle 
and thin secularism in the Arab world. Weren't the Jews themselves in Israel a bit of ostrich, not, not wishing so much that it was a matter of compromise between borders, and not wanting to see that they had an existential problem? Well, I don't think there's a contradiction. Again, I want to be born into current politics, but uh, in, in the relations, how the government uh, describes the Arab Spring, when they started the spring was the autumn of the fourth, whatever, but the, the, uh, uh, the uh, I, I come from, I'd say, uh, historically, from my work, in the, and I am one of the few Israelis who have worked in all the five fronts or sectors of peace efforts with our neighbors, some more successful, some less, Egypt, Jordan, Palestinians, Lebanon, Syria, etc. Uh, I'd like to come in a way like uh, uh, quite a number of leaders uh, in the past that I've known, in, uh, I think also now, but maybe it's not for me to comment on current people, a pragmatic approach. The analytically Maybe you're right, maybe not. I mean, analytically. Our approach as a, as a nation as a, is, should be pragmatic. Pragmatic means try to, it, it's only logical that we would try to make peace with our neighbors. It's only logical. I mean, I grew up, it was, let me tell you, it was nothing to do with anti-Semitism. For me, despite all these uh, milestones that, that I, I, I was privileged to attend, the most Moving moment in my life, I don't speak of personal uh, my wedding or my children, grandchildren being born, and so, and so on. And, uh, but as a public servant, was to be at the airport when President Sadat came. And November, on November 19, 1977, Chile, Saturday night. It was, I was then the assistant to Moshe Dayan, whose name you may remember. Minister at the time, and uh, he invited me to join him to the airport, which I was beyond my protocol rank, but I was very happy to, to join him. And I came, and I, I I was there, and looking at what happened, his coming was like the wind of history were were there. That was my feeling that day because it was not in the cards. If you ask me ten days earlier. Could this happen? That would come to Israel ten days earlier, and he said that he made a speech. He said that go to the, to the, to the end of the war and go to the Knesset, which means he he, he said it. And still, it was you know not in the in the and a day earlier in uh, for sure not in the cart. And he came and and what and what developed later was not our dreams. I mean, we would have loved the peace to look better, but. It's still there, and uh, uh, there were 30 years of wars and many victims, and there were thereafter 35 years without wars, with few victims, which is very sad, and with the cold, is this or the other, but still. There. So you like to look at it. Jordan was mentioned. I was proud to be the chair of the negotiation for Jordan, <coughs> the Treaty of Peace. There's an article there on promoting tolerance and mutual respect and religious. It's not being fulfilled that greatly. Still, the peace is there. You visit, you go, you can visit Egypt also. So, 
it's, it's better than, than the, any, any other alternative except for the better alternative, which is not yet here. So, yeah. Could you say a few words about, you, you mentioned uh, laws that make Holocaust denial a crime. Uh, we couldn't have that in this country. Did you have it in Europe? Any reflections on that? Well, we have one, of course, but there's a, a number of countries in Europe that have it, and, 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 it, and it works. When, when it happens, it works, and they, they sometimes have real sanctions on people who do that. And it's important because the, as time goes by, and years go by, and people either forget or read very distorted histories or whatever, and, and the, the, there's a need for that. Again, some people say it's not legal matter, but legal matter helps like any other matter, a legal, a legal means that you can use. And, uh, and, and this, uh, and I think also in a, I'd say in a universal way, while we always say the Holocaust is unique in terms of, of what happened, <coughs> human wickedness is there. And uh, who, who was it that said, I think maybe Breck, uh, that when they came for the communists, I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, he said when they came for the, 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 the communists, I didn't do anything because I, I was not a communist. They came for the Jews, I didn't do anything because I was not Jewish. When they came for me, there was nobody to help. So I'm not sure the quotation is, is exact, but that's the idea. And uh, so it's also a universal educational thing because the, 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 and, and, and the liberal mind should be aware that the, 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 uh, what, what happens to one can happen to the other. Yes, the, the uniqueness of the Jewish problem because it, uh, uh, anti-Semitic problem because it's so long. It's, uh, go back to, to the Bible. It's, it's, uh, we survived. We are here, and, and, and it haunts us still. Well, our survival is a miracle. So, yeah. Well, I travel a lot around the world, and I see, uh, I was just in Malaysia, and I gave a speech in Malaysia without my yarmulke. And uh, I found out that a lot of people just don't have the right knowledge about the Jewish nation. And the biggest problem I see when I go around, they think we're hundreds of millions of people. So I, I thought of a good idea for you, which is maybe a little humoristic, but maybe we should just come out with a campaign. We're only 14 million, and we can't get rid of us. Because whenever I tell people our real number, they say, oh, you're just 14 million. I think 14 million is even exaggerating a little. But literally, people say, really, only 14 million? And they calm down a little. A lot of these people have never heard of you. They don't know what really goes on. And they think we really have a little, little, probably over a billion people. And I think this is a cheap way of doing a good campaign. It was 20 years ago, maybe a bit more, I was in Mexico City and I took a cab. I was in a conference, whatever. I took a cab. And, I, and he asked me, well, uh, where was that from? And I said, Israel, he said, we have Jews here too. I said, I know you're Jews. I, I, and, and I said to him, how many Jews are here? 
There were about 60,000-70,000 Jews in Mexico in those years. And he said to me, two million. I said, I said, two million? I heard there are 60,000-70,000. He said, they're making fun of you. <laughs> so, so this is, I reminded me of this story. Go back to the cabbie in Mexico, and uh, and uh, the uh, notion. I, I attended a judicial conference in India some years ago, and there were mainly from what's known as the third world participants, and uh, it was so. I mean, for me, the ability to talk to them, they were all. Chief judges, judges of Supreme Courts of, of various countries, and talking to them about our our system, our country, and their reactions was, I mean, the information, just being informative. Of course, the court, the, the court system, and the court uh, part in, in the national life, but but. Should visit 
Israel. We should visit. They can speak to Palestinians too, no problem. I mean, we will not, I don't, let them come. If their mind is open, if it's closed, it's closed. If their minds are open, let them come and visit. Let them talk to me, to me, personally. To, to, to people, normal people who dare and, and who... You're not a normal person, you know. <laughs> I hope you're not... You're a Supreme Court uh, judge, you know. It's not uh, uh, look, the day Supreme Court justices will start uh, thinking about themselves as uh, not normal people, the Supreme Court is called the, the Supreme Court. Now, the justice is called Shofet Beta Mishpata Elion. But many times, the justice of the Supreme Court, but many times people showed me and said Shofet Elion. And I always stop and say, there's only one Shofet Elion. It's somewhere up there. And, uh, so don't mix it. So thank God, uh, uh, the day I became a judge, I, I was years ago for a while a judge of the district court of Jerusalem. And the day when I became a judge, uh, I was a little bit, you know, uh, oh, whatever. I, I which should be, by the way, every day. Uh, the Talmud says that a judge will always should always feel as if there's a sword here that punches him if he. That's the wrong thing. And, uh, uh, and uh, I, I went to see a judge in Tel Aviv, uh, a woman, she's now unfortunately and I spoke to her, and she said, and I asked, I sought her advice, and she was a veteran judge, I was just becoming a judge. It was many, many years ago, I was She said, look, the first day you sit on the bench, you think that Providence has gone down on you, and has, has wrecked you. It's not true. <laughs> so, and I, and I, 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 I took this advice very carefully. So, uh, yeah, yeah, last one, maybe. Um, so recently, New Demographics came out talking about how um, there are now more Jews living in Israel than elsewhere. So the plurality of Jews worldwide are now in Israel. How do you see the relation of the Jew and Galut? Um, to the Jewish project, to the project against anti-Semitism, to the project against anti-Israel discourse, when one could say the Jew is now represented by Israel? Look, I don't want to say the Jew is represented by Israel as an exclusive method. The Jews in this country are part of this country. They are a, 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 a legitimate, you don't need my, my, my definition. They are a part of their Americans and they are also Jews. As an Israeli, I would hope they would support us. I would hope they visit, I would hope they give Jewish education to the king. I would hope that as many as as, 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 as good would be made from the Arabic in Israel. That, that would be my Zionist hope as a Jew. But the, 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 I, I, I'm not going to, to label anybody uh, uh, or to say I'm speaking for him, he will speak, he or she, they will speak for themselves, they will speak for as proud Americans, they will speak whatever they, they feel they should speak. I don't think that education, on these issues or information on these issues is, is worthwhile 
whether you're in Israel or in America or in Europe or anywhere, and uh, it's, it's not uh, the, the, the Zionist project is a Jewish project, but the, the uh, support for it, or the fight against anti-Semitism shouldn't be a Jewish project. Fight against anti-Semitism is, is uh, I, I, we were very uh, happy, it's not the war, but I remember that uh, when throughout our deliberations with the American uh, uh, authorities, we learned at the time when I was dealing with these things that President Bush father included it in the, the question of anti-Semitism in one of his uh, major speeches. Then uh, it also became part of the of the, of the State Department uh, policy in terms of their reports and so on to monitor that to we thought it was the right thing as 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 as, as other evils would be reported. Uh, the I I will not uh, uh, mix that with the notion of Israel representing uh, Israel represents a, a Jewish and democratic state, a Zionist idea, a, a, a past, present, and future. Whoever wants to join this project is welcome. Whoever is, is part of another society, it's his choice. Thank you very much. I just want to add one thing. As a, Israeli, as a Jew living in Israel, we're very proud of having someone like you about the people. Thank you. Thank you.